Hello there, good people of podcast land. This is Ash Grunewald, and this is the first ever episode of my new podcast, Soulful Conversation. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a professional blues musician, singer, songwriter, guitarist, and I've spent the last 20 years traveling the world, listening to podcasts and talking to people and basically having soulful conversations wherever I go. I was very honored to have my first guest be none other than the dude pretty much at the pinnacle of the blues and roots scene, Mr. John Butler. And I can't think of a better guest for my first episode of Soulful Conversations because John has always been very candid and honest and he's a good guy and he always has been and I've known him for about 20 years and uh, we've always had great interactions but we've never really got a chance to sit down and speak so deeply. So what you're hearing in the podcast is that happening on a deep level straight away, straight off the bat and he talked a lot about owning your own shit and owning up to stuff. We covered meditation, the power of non-religious prayer to sort of manifest the things that you want in life. That was absolutely amazing. And, you know, it's really good to hear these things from someone who clearly has the score on the board. So when somebody has achieved so widely and done things to such a high level, I sit up and listen to what they have to say. He really put something really well. This is for the guitarists out there. Um, you know, I was asking him about practicing because um, he's continued to improve his considerable guitar skills. And he was talking about the aim of becoming a conduit for spirit like Hendrix. So many men don't share how they're feeling and don't show their vulnerability. Um, and basically, he had some inspiring things to say about this phase in life, about becoming an elder. And I found it to be a very uplifting, soulful conversation. Welcome to Soulful Conversations with Ash Grunewald. In this podcast, we interview inspiring and amazing people, musicians, surfers, and experts in mindset, creativity, health, well-being, and making the world a better place. I'm tired of beating around the bush. I want to go deep and have a soulful conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Earth Bottles. At Earth Bottles, we are on a mission to end single-use plastics, offering a full range of beautiful double-insulated bottles, reusable coffee cups, food and tea canisters, stainless steel straws, bags, and lots of plastic-free eco-goodies. Earth Bottles proudly supports the Breast Cancer Network of Australia, Beyond Blue, Hope for Health, Clean Coast Collective, 15 Trees, Bali Baby House, and the UN Refugee Agency. So head over to www.earthbottles.com.au for a 10% discount using the promo code ASHLOVESME. Together we can make a change and break up with single-use plastics. We are here, Ash Grunewald Podcast, with none other than John Butler. How are you going, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for doing this. Well... 
the name of this podcast is going to be Soulful Conversations okay. with Ash Grunwald. And hopefully that's what this is. I know that's what this is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Man, any excuse. It's been, it's been a long time. So yeah. hey, this is nice that we get to chat. Yeah, absolutely. If this podcast makes it happen, all the better. I, I listen to your podcast and anyone listening to this, go over and we'll put links in. John's podcast for his album is fantastic and it's such a great insight into the um, the making of, of how an album is made and it's very personal too. I mean, what, how was the experience of making the podcast? I was good. I mean, I, I, I'm at a part point in my life where I find uh, the guts of, of stuff more interesting than the mechanics. So, you know, it was interesting to talk about all, you know, the techniques and the sounds and all that stuff. And that's really good. But I, I really feel that the, the emotional kind of backdrop and psychological and psychic backdrop that, that, that fuels, uh, you know, the tools, uh, fuels the tools. Um, more interesting. So, yeah. So, you know, I'm happy to talk about kind of deep personal shit because that's kind of where I'm at, I guess, at the moment. And I feel like that's, you know, not just for myself, but I feel like that's where a lot of us are at at the moment. Yeah. Definitely. That's, I mean, it's so funny you say that. That's, and it's perfect and as it should be because that's why I'm doing this, yeah. this podcast, you know, for that exact same reason. And I, you know, in the introduction to the podcast, I was saying, I want to go in deep, you know, because everything else is boring. I think we probably feel like we've done that. And yeah. it's like, that's just details. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of time to get to the heart of the matter, you yeah. know, a bit more now. So for you, this particular album, that's a good place to start. You moved back to Margaret River before this album? Yeah, I moved. I mean, I was living in Western Australia, but we moved out of the city into the country and to a small town called Margaret River. Actually, not that small in comparison to other small towns like I've grown up in. But, uh, yeah, we moved back down to the country, and that was great. It was really, really good, and it still is really, really good. And I took a year off off the road, which was great. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was just interesting what kind of came up, uh, you know, I guess to generally put, you know, put it, when you stop stirring the pond, you know, sometimes all the debris comes to the surface. <laughs> And it was really interesting because I was stirring the pond quite a bit, at, you know, just at home. I stayed really busy, you know, doing all kinds of projects and I was doing lots of physical manual labor, which I loved, but somehow getting off the road that, you know, mm. like, like you mentioned before, the 20 years of just pounding it. And once all the personal kind of, uh, all the projects on the land kind of came to a, you know, I, I realized my vision for the land. It was amazing what kind of came up and, you know, anxiety was one of the big ones that came up, but, um, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. We moved oh, to the no, country that's... and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted you to talk about that because, like, I, I don't think there's anything more important and more relevant to the people who are listening to this than inner states because your inner state, like how you feel, yeah. how we feel in our stomach mm. while we're talking yeah. right now is very important. Yeah. And I don't think outer circumstances... Like, say, if you've got a good circumstance, you're very successful and whatever. One thing I've learned in my life is that doesn't make any, or 
that doesn't make any difference. It really comes down to how you feel on mm. that particular day, how yeah. you're feeling. Yeah. So, and I don't think there's a level of success that deals with that or any, any outward no. achievement. If you, uh, if you think, yeah, if you feel like success will one day fill the inner cup, <laughs> you're <laughs> sorely mistaken. <laughs> yeah. So how did you deal with that? Uh, well, you know, uh, it was a slow build. And what I mean by that is like, it's a 10, it was like a 10 year build. And when I first realized I was getting anxiety, it was, uh, I was really, I it always presents as me being really quite prickly and a bit of a, an asshole. Uh, I get really quite grumpy and hate people walking around with lattes and Ray-Bans <laughs> and smiling. <laughs> That's when I know I'm getting a little anxious. I'm like, fucking look at all these. And I'm like, so you become is, a hater. I, I become a hater. <laughs> I do. And I become a hater on myself and everybody around me. And that's, right. and that's including the people I love, which is really, you know, I get grumpy. Uh, anyway. Um, and one time I was in that mood right before leaving on tour and my wife saw that happening and she turned on our favorite album to dance to, which is duets by Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald. Nice. And she, kind of grabbed me, you know, she put her hand on my shoulder and Louie started singing and I just started crying. Mm. Fuck. And that was the first time I was like, ah, I'm so fucking anxious about leaving again. Oh, what's, oh, this is what this is. Oh, this is the emotion underneath the surface prickly asshole. It's, this is the sorrow of leaving his family, Mm. my family. And that's when I first noticed it, and then I found it when I every time I went away, I'm like, oh, here's this guy again. And every time I came back, ironically, you get it when you come back, or I get it when I come back. And a lot of people who live flying, fly out lifestyles do. Um, and yeah, over the ten years, I really started noticing it more and more. And it came to a point where it was no longer acceptable for me to have this reaction to my lifestyle and circumstances especially for my wife she was over the way that i was processing these emotions mm. um and i think you know it came to a point where she's like dude you gotta do fucking something about this i'm over this this whole thing you getting fucking grumpy around the house and like i have to just fucking wear it until it passes again you know it's like i'm done i'm fucking done and you know that's a pretty hard thing to share with people but at the same time that was a really pivotal point for me because she's the most important thing in my world and Mm. her and my family are like that's the one thing i could lose my career i could lose a lot of things but i would hate to lose that and so it was a really motivational point in my time and going cool that is no longer a place to absorb that kind of energy Mm. that is like no longer an avenue to express it i need to kind of deal with it and you know how do i deal with it i I, you know uh, i have to run like almost every day i call it chasing the crazy man away uh, so I chase the crazy man away every day. Oh, and I'm literally going for a run. I run. Yeah. Yeah, I run. Like, I have a lot of energy as an individual. Mm. You could probably really relate to this. Mm. But, you know, you know, essentially, you know, I know I'm turning 44 this year, but in all aspects, I'm a young man still who evolved, you know, along with the human race for the last million years to hunt most of the day mm. and to be very physical um, and we live a, a very kind sedentary. Of sed- yeah, sedentary lifestyle nowadays. And so if, if I don't run, I have a lot of energy. And that doesn't tend to kind of just mean I'm effervescent. It kind of means it turns on itself. Yeah. It turns into latent energy. So i got to get that out of me first and get the endorphins running and get, kind of get all those positive hormones going on. And then I meditate and those things kind of help. But um, yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long journey. Mm. Yeah. 
when you have cycles of your emotions and if it's like if your emotions are a reaction to something that is part of your everyday life or your touring cycle, mm. then obviously that's not good. It's like your emotions are acting like they're in shock or pissed off about something that's a normal thing for you. Mm. So that's obviously not going to be a good thing, but you are, you seem to have, have you seem to have that level of awareness uh, and being had your ass kicked into that level of awareness too that, yeah. that helps you get onto it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, I, 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 would, I would consider myself a pretty aware guy, but the, the anxiety thing in, in mental health in general, it creeps up on you in a different way. You yeah. know, it's not like, you, you know, I'm going to get really drunk one night and the next day I'm going to feel like, crap, oh, that's because I drank. Or you're going to smoke a spliff and all of a sudden I'm grumpy for the next three days. It's like anxiety has this way of like just like permeating your life and you don't realize you have it for a decade. And you're like, mm. oh, fuck. Um, so it was interesting. I feel self-aware, but it, t- it took a lot of, it took t- being off the road and creating almost like a, a scientific kind of laboratory esque kind of environment, like a the, control group, a control group. <laughs> like, okay, you're, uh, you're not on the road. You're not leaving. Mm. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and it took my wife and, and other, and, and yeah, myself to kind of come to that realization. Because the dangerous thing is for you, that's so good. You said that because on the road, there's plenty of content um, for the anxiety to use. So, like, if you want to be anxious or, like, if anxiety wants to creep in, there's the right content, the right things for you to – there's always something you can get pissed off about mm. on the road or feel anxious about or whatever. So, yeah, it can. that's why it can sneak in undercover, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that. You mean you have the shows. I, I find the road to be very a uh, controlled space. And, you know, I think for people who get anxious, we long for control. A lot of us come from traumatic backgrounds where we weren't in control. And so the road is kind of a controlled space. You always know what you're going to do every day. And you also, a lot of times, you're not around your family. So all of a sudden, your life becomes very kind of like a, a mono a mono vision, which is kind of easy to do with. I wake yeah. up, I wake up late, I go out to breakfast by myself, I you know I exercise, and then I play a gig, and everything's controlled. It's getting off the road where the regimental life changes, and it becomes a little bit more dynamic. That things can be. That, that things actually, I, I'll get more anxious off the road sometimes than, oh, than on the road. To the flame because you're not just controlling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and all of a sudden, you know, nine o'clock every night, I don't have this real big mission, and that pumps out a whole bit of adrenaline and energy. And like I have them, it's like you get off the road and you take the main objective away of, or what has been the main objective, which is putting on a show. And you go to, you know, even more important things like family and, and relationships. Those things are quite complex. They're quite complex, you know, being a father and watching your kid grow up. And, you know, my boy, you know, he's between nine and, and now, you know, it's been really confronting for me because I went through a lot of trauma at that age. And so yeah. I look at him and all I feel is my trauma a lot of times. So that's like complex. And then wow. trying to father him and help him become a man and all those things. It's, it's, it's really quite interesting. Being on the roads, you know, it's pretty simple. You know, they wake up this time, lobby call at that time, eat at this time, gigs on this time, bus call at 2 a.m., do it all again. Very controlled, very regimented. Getting off the road, it's like, whoa, okay, all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, yeah, I, I can't explain. You, yeah, you come from a very controlled environment to a very dynamic and essentially more enriching environment, but it's complex, mm. especially if you spent a long time being a regimented soldier on the road, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and now I guess we're at that age too where 
when you come into your 40s that whatever you've been doing, you've been doing it for 20 years. Mm. So it's probably one of those first points of check-in where, yeah. you, I mean, seems like it used to manifest as a midlife crisis. Now it's it doesn't have to be a midlife crisis, but it's definitely a midlife check-in because you've been an adult longer than you were ever a kid. Mm. So I guess the groove in the record has worn pretty deep by yeah, now. Yeah, and you can see it. You can see the patterns. Yeah. And you can see uh, the results of your actions for the first time with, with a clear perspective. Mm. You know, you get to 40, you can look back and go, oh, wow, okay, that happened kind of quickly. Oh, I can see what I've been doing the last 20 years. Here I am. Look at your body. What state is it in? How am I, <laughs> how am I going right now? I'm going good or I'm not going good. And you look ahead, you can see your parents if they're still with you. And you can see the next 40 years are going to come pretty quick. Mm. And how do I want to go, you mm. know, and, and, and who have I become and who do I want to be and what has been the results of my uh, action uh, to date? And so, mm. yeah, there's quite a bit of perspective that you get, you know, that you don't, you can't, you cannot get until you're about in your 40s or your late 30s. And so mm. it's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. And it's a, a luxurious opportunity just to make it to this age, you know, when you look back at the human race only a few, yeah. you know, a few hundred years ago. But um, but it does come with responsibility to a certain degree. It comes with like this opportunity to kind of take it to the next level or to remain the same and pay, you know, pay some of the prices for that. Like, mm. cool, I'm going to keep on partying. I'm going to keep on thinking it's the whole world's fault and not my own. I'm going to keep on being a kid and not a man. And you know, do that for 40 years and see what kind of man you are. You're going <laughs> to, or it's like, cool. How can I take this shit to the next level? Do I mm. want to like live thinking I don't have anxiety and think it's the world's fault and hating all the lots of unreasonable thing you might be thinking. Um, uh, or and do I want to keep on self-medicating? Do I want to keep on rolling my family through the dramas, my melodramatic dramas and all this stuff? Or do I want something different? Do I want to be, you know, so it's an amazing time, you know, and it's not, I'm not surprised that people they call it a midlife crisis or something because it's a reckoning. Mm. It's a real reckoning of yourself. You get perspective for the first time. It's a real mirror in front of your face. If you're lucky enough to not be fighting for your life in some worn torn country, you're really you get a chance to really observe yourself. And um, and if you are in a situation where you have a family, it gets even more deeply fractal because you have these children. And, um, mm. and they're the evolution, evolution of you, and they're the genetic mirror of you. And shit can get pretty real pretty quick, but it's a, an amazing time. It's an amazing time to almost step up into... Uh, into a new way of being and also be, becoming an elder in some way, you know, and letting go of the boy, you know, in a, in a world so intoxicated and so infatuated with youth, you know, to becoming an elder, it's like, it's almost like, oh, no one wants to become an elder because it means old and uncool. Actually, mm-hmm. it's really uncool not to respect your elders. It's really uncool not to have elders. We're looking at a society that doesn't rate elders and look at what Western society is becoming, you know. Um, so to to embrace being coming an elder, to be embraced going, I am now a man, I'm actually now a man, and I'm going to raise these boys and these daughters to become men and women. That's my role. I need to let go of some of this old immature stuff of wanting to be, you know, a boy forever and become a man. It's it's, it's, it's amazing time. It's amazing time. Uh, t- to be alive, but it it does come with a certain amount of self-reflection and like, okay, it's going to be a bit of a spring clean and, and some of it's not going to be easy to let go of and some of it is totally necessary to get to the next level. 
Mm. Yeah. Wow, that was just so uh, well said. Uh, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. Like I, I, I will go on one more time. I, when you mentioned midlife crisis, because I feel like for men at this age, we, we uh, I feel like the antidote to our crisis is becoming leaders and real men. For I'll speak for men at the moment. For I say, our sons. And you look at. Most women, most men become 40 to 45. They have either kids are about to become teenagers or teenagers. Teenagers are, you know, some teenage boys are some of the most lost individuals in society around that time. They're looking for something to believe in. They're looking for something to prove themselves. They're looking for guidance. The, uh, men in, in, in the 40s are some of the most lost people in society as well. <laughs> They're looking for something to redefine themselves. They're looking mm. for something that's deeper than just what, there was, what was their career. And you look at those two things, they're like a yin and a yang to each other. It's like the mm. young man is searching for, the, for the, the elder to lead him through the rites of passage, and the elder is looking for a young man to, be, to lead through rites of passage, and they mm. both become the rites of passage for each other. Mm. And so I find that really interesting at the moment. You mm. know, to go, oh, cool, maybe my boy is, you know, is the antidote mm. to what I'm looking for, and I'm the antidote to what he's looking for. Mm. It's, it's a time to, and, you know, we, we are mm. both pretty idealistic people, um, mm. but it's a time to be more idealistic in a way, but maybe more based on the self, but, like, it's the time to put in that work, the, the self-work. And there's something about what you just said then that really put that into perspective because I've been going through, I think, probably similar things to yourself in, in different ways and just putting in a lot of self-work. And it's just like it is the period to step up and to step your own game up and be a leader and somebody that you can look up to. And that does involve actually being a little bit more virtuous. It does, you know, and that can be whatever is important to you. But you've got to put in a bit more work at that stage. I mean, for me... The way I feel about it is it's the time and it feels right. It feels really good mm. to do that. It's not like something I've done kicking and screaming, mm. um, turning things around. Hey, I wanted to ask you about meditation because mm-hmm. I do really think that's one pillar of health and mm. spiritual well-being. Um, so how did that come into your life and and what do you do? Uh, I, my mom med- has been meditating for most of my life and... Um, I think the first time I started meditating was I went to a self-realization fellowship center in California. What is that? That's run by, well, it was started by uh, an Indian yogi named Paramahansa Yogananda. Oh. And um, so it was kind of, it's kind of like a meditation church. And so I remember going to like Sunday school there where mom meditated somewhere else and I was introduced to it there. Uh, then we moved to Australia in 1986. And uh, I think it was when I was in my teens, I started doing transcendental meditation. Oh, okay. And uh, on and off for years doing that and then kind of reignited that maybe about uh, seven or eight years ago again doing TM still remembered my mantra, which was amazing. <laughs> um, and um, to me, meditation is like OH&S kind of stuff. It's, you know, I, I feel like a lot of these things are, you know, byproduct may be moments of peace, moments of euphoria, moments of 
maybe spiritual enlightenment, you know, quote, you know, in inverted commas, but mainly it's, it's, it's mental hygiene. You know, it, it, it's, uh, you just, you just, it's a health practice. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. You know, it's like you brush your teeth, you eat food, you take a shit, you sleep like those things you have to do. Otherwise you die or you're miserable. Mm. Uh, and you also should meditate and exercise. (laughs) It's just like, I don't run for abs. I run for like chasing the crazy guy. Whereas I said before, I run for mental hygiene. I meditate for the same reason to defrag and let my nervous system like just chill out. Um, there are other benefits other than just keeping my anxiety down and being a nicer person. And, uh, yeah, yeah, there's moments, you know, there's moments where I feel a complete one with nature and the universe. And, you know, there's, there's little, little bubbles that pop with like moments of, of, uh, you know, deeper kind of realizations and wonder, but they're fleeting, you yeah. know, the main reason why I do it is to just, you know, same reason why I wipe my butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know? quote, quote, quote. I love yeah. that. I do it because I have to. I'm wiping I, the shit away. Yeah, literally, you know, like, uh, and that might take the romance out, out of it a bit, but like, uh, I've kind of come to that point in time. I still find it very romantic too. Don't get me wrong. I'm always going to be idealist and romantic, but I do it now because I have to. Yeah. Not because I want to be a certain kind of person. Yeah. You know, um, I do it because I know, like, I'm a better person with it. And and just boiling that down to a boring, like, daily practice. How do you? How often do you I do try it? How to, oh, I, I try to run first. You know, anywhere, anywhere from fifteen to thirty minutes at the moment. Um, I used to run longer, but at the moment, I'm still trying to get to that point without trying to prove anything to my ego. So I just between fifteen and thirty minutes, seeing how I feel. Uh, then I then I meditate for twenty minutes. Um, on on good days, I'll do it twice a day. Yeah. And I remember one thing that a teacher once told me was, if you don't have 20 minutes twice a day, you're too busy. <laughs> you're too busy. Like, if you can't put aside 20 minutes twice a day, you're, you're too busy. I struggled with my, my second one. But, if yeah, if you're too busy to do 20 minutes once a day, you know, you, you need to you're relook at the schedule a little bit. Would, uh, you would know that Chinese saying or whatever, that, that one, if you're, um, you should meditate for 20 minutes a day, but if you're really busy... Do it for an hour. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> or if you feel too busy, meditate for an hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just really makes all the difference. I'm probably a little bit slack with that one, one, but my God, just over the last couple of months, I got into the old uh, Wim Hof breathing. Oh yeah. Have you got into that? No, I've I, you know I've watched a couple of things and I've had other friends and I, you know that's Dude. the same kind of thing. Is it good? Oh, it it just gets me to that place. I feel like it blasts me yeah. to to that place very quickly with a whole body sensation that can't be ignored wow (laughs) so like i do like somebody sent me a youtube clip and it's just got like one round is five minutes okay so you just it's like basically if anybody's wondering it's all over the internet but essentially to just in a nutshell taking 40 deep breaths and then uh, as deep as you can not pushing the exhale too much and then having one exhale and holding your breath out like emptying and holding your breath for two minutes. Holding then, your breath for two minutes. Which is easy. You could do that right now. Coming from the surfer here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're surprised the first time you do it. Um, so is that after the 40 breaths, then you hold you it for two minutes? You take the 40 breaths, then you hold an out breath. It's like you're not even holding your breath. Yeah, right. And then, you know, after a while, you so you do uh, two rounds of that 
you'd basically the practice is three rounds of that. Okay. And on the third one, my God, man, you just you just go to a different place. I do for sure. Oh, wow. And, I gotta try um, this. I think it stimulates a bit of your pineal gland mm. and the vagus nerve, and I'm not really sure on all of the details. But on the last round f- to go that ne- next little bit, you um chuck in still on the out breath. You chuck in a few. <laughs> this almost sounds made up, but you chuck in a few push ups. Oh. To you do like say push ups to your maximum of whatever it is, and you feel like absolutely like Superman, like you you're doing way more than you think you can do wow. at a rapid rate, like the Flash or something. Wow, interesting. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're potentially seeing all sorts of purple. Wow, and well, that's what I, that's a, has happened for me at times. That's what keeps me like really quite into it. And devout. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. I've been doing it. Yeah, wow. but that's like. That's 15 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I feel very much more inclined to um, want to meditate. And I just actually lay there after that and just mm. go, wow, and and just work on my breath. But, geez, that's a cracker. And so do you find after that, like, just the way it, your mental state and thinking and cognitive, do you, does it just does it trickle down into other aspects of your life, do you find, at the rest of the day? Absolutely. And I haven't seen – that's the thing that I haven't seen all over the internet. I mean, I think – People say that that's the go and you're doing it for health. Mm. But I've been staggered to which uh, the degree to which it's kept me on that really even um, keel, not Mm. identifying so much with the content of my thoughts, aware of my thoughts, aware that they are thoughts. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're not you. Yeah, yeah. They're just thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And, And then I can just do little periods in the day. If I'm walking down the street, I might look like a weirdo. Or on the plane, I do it a lot and I'm like... Sometimes I know people are thinking I'm a weirdo, but I don't. I just don't care. I yeah. just I just sneak a few in. Yeah. So I'm a good breather from um, yoga and um, some surfing breathing, and also from singing. Yeah. So and you would be too. You can you can get probably more in than people who are just starting out. More oxygen in, mm. so you can sort of sneak into that state without looking too bizarre with yeah. abdominal breathing. Yeah, right. But it's just because I like the idea with meditation. Um, I've always liked the idea of putting it into my everyday life. I've always thought that was more important, but I'm sure it's just as important. But that's as important as a practice that you do at the start or the end of your day to be doing a minute many times a day mm. to keep reminding you. Yeah. Because I remember Eckhart Tolle talking about that and I was thinking that is really true. Like he was saying people could reach some transcendental kind of state and then get up and have a fight with their wife as soon as they get off there mm. you know and if it's if it's that then it's sort of not as good as it could be like i think both it would be optimum yeah, yeah. but i think whatever transfers into your day and changes how you live your life yeah. the most would- and being able to check in throughout the day a little bit you know yeah i had a friend uh he was dealing with anxiety and i think her doctor or psychologist um Counselor suggested this just checking. She had set something on a digital watch or been given a digital watch which with the, these reminders, like four reminders a day, and all you had to do is just contact with your breath. You know, for yeah. that time when the alarm went on, you're like, okay, cool, i got to do 30 or 40 breaths somewhere in, in you know, the, the staff room or wherever she was yeah. working, and it just dropped her, her rate of anxiety down. And, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think integrating it throughout the day – like everything else is integrated. You know, we, yeah. we eat, we work, mm. we walk, uh, we talk. We do all these things that are integrated throughout our days. Why shouldn't 
idea of, you know, whatever you want to call it, being present or in the moment or, or meditation be part of that. Not these kind of bookended moments, but more like sprinkled throughout the day. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, um, and I think that uh, it, it sounds like the ultimate is you still do the bookend because that teaches your brain about the place it needs to go. Mm. But then throughout the day, you just keep flicking back there. Yeah, it's a little maintenance. Yeah, and the other mm-hmm. one to remember, I saw on the internet, have you ever looked at old mate Sadhguru? No. Uh, he, he's, he's really cool, um, but he had some really, he's got heaps of cool ones. One, one he's, he talks about the body and he's like, this is the most sophisticated gadget. You know, he's yeah. like the gadget. He said a lot of people have iPhones and apparently you only use 5% of what an iPhone can do. You're right. Well, and he's like, if you used 1% of what this gadget can do, I'm pointing at myself here, people who are listening, you know, you would be able to do amazing things. Yeah. But we just, we have this gadget, which is us, mm. but what we call us, but we don't have the instruction manual. Mm. Um, he says a whole lot of cool things, but... um but one really good thing is, like he says, when you wake up in the morning, you should be so thankful that you have a life. Millions of people died that night. Mm. You didn't. You know, you're here. And you should be first and foremost before you're thankful, of, you know, having gratitude for the things that are good, that's one level, but having mm. gratitude to just be here yeah. is an amazing leveling thing. And you can do that throughout your day too. That's another way of centering mm. yourself, I think. Yeah, especially in this day and age of being very aware of our negative bias, you know, through through our evolutionary process of, you know, thinking that a tiger was going to come and maim us or, you know, some other thing was, some other prey was going to get us back in the primordial kind of history of our evolution. We do have a negative bias. So to kind of change that in this day and age a little bit and create a positive bias is a really important thing. And That's that our takes, mission. And that takes yeah. training. Yeah, that, does, that, that really does take training. Yeah, yeah. Sat Guru, Sat Guru. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's such a legend. I mean, really, we have. You know, I'm always perplexed by the over fascination of our devices. You know, I'm talking about our phones and our bits and our gadgets. And I'm always telling the kids, you know, the biggest computer on the planet, you know, and or, and the most powerful technology we have is, you know in our heads but it's also in our hearts it's in us like you know we invented those gadgets that we're so infatuated yeah. with like we invented them and that's just like what we were able to make you know like yeah. but it, within ourselves that is where the biggest technology lies like if you want the, the next technological advance really you know yeah we can have ai and all this and we can go to mars and fucking do the same thing we always did mine the shit out of it but like where is the next advance? It's really a spiritual kind of awakening, you know? And yeah, there is no manual. Life is the manual. Yeah, right. Trials and tribulations, trial and error. That's the manual. You learn from your mistakes. You learn from your successes. You, you know, you get too into your ego and it comes and bites you in the ass and leaves you, you know, paralyzed and you get stand back up and go, cool, got to watch that ego thing this time. And you get back <laughs> in the game. That is, you know, that's how we learn. It's, there's a yeah, it's a there's an infinite well of technology and knowledge within us. So you, you know? were onto it anyway. I should be calling you Sat Butler. <laughs> no, no, I'm just fascinated yeah. by how much I don't know. Yeah, you know, there's just there's so much, there's so much that I don't understand, and I'm mm. I'm, I'm and I'm in awe of it and in wonder of it. Mm. I'm in wonder of it. You know, you hear some of the old people speak about their old people. You know. And talking about indigenous stories and stuff, and it's like, wow, there's there's a whole world out there that I do not understand. People who can shape shift and all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, whew. 
So yeah, I'm, I'm 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 constantly fascinated by this mind and heart of ours. We only use what under ten percent of our brain. You know, it's like yeah. yeah, shit. God knows. I mean, interstellar travel. We're talking about that. We're talking about going to light speeds. I don't think you know. We could, I think there's you might a lot. be using the wrong technology. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting a bit too uh, far out there. But yeah, no, I, I totally know where you go with that, I, and I totally get it. To be continued, inued, inued. And that is it. Here endeth the very first podcast of Soulful Conversations. And thank you so much to John Butler for that first little bit. We were going ultra-cosmic there at the end. And um, the second half you'll hear next week, and it goes to some mind-boggling levels and some really, really interesting, interesting stuff. I just edited it. Edited I just edited it. And it is sounding amazing. Thank you so much for being with me on the start of this journey. And I'm just so excited about it. And um, don't forget, if you want to get some goodies on Earth Bottles on the website there and get in the good books, getting some coffee cups and bottles and helping to reduce the use of single-use plastic, Type in the promo code Ash Loves Me for a little 10% discount. And if you've jo- enjoyed this podcast, please share it on whatever platform you're listening on and do a little screenshot maybe and chuck something up on socials. I heard Jim Quick saying that the other day. He's a legend, and um, I think that's a really good idea, you know. Make a little comment about what you found to be the best takeaway thing from what John said and post it on socials and um, tag us. That would be absolutely amazing. I would be eternally grateful for that. Otherwise, just send me a direct message on Instagram or um, whatever platform you're feeling. Just lay it down. And um, this next track that you're hearing is... The Worst Crimes Are Legal from my Now album, but otherwise, see you next time. Thank you so much.